Blog Talk Radio. from NASCA have come from. Um, I think they too would, you know, agree with that. 
intervention, that means sitting down, you know, with a child if you know they're in trouble, and um, and just talking to them a little bit, okay, and, and, and trying to get information so that you do the right thing, and the right thing is to report, okay? You have to report. And, in fact, we're all mandated reporters now in New Jersey, all right? Uh, maybe of a different type. If you're not a professional, if you're not a nurse, a doctor, whatever, you're still people. Um, we are all supposed to call either the police, if you really feel that that's necessary, and it probably is, or you call uh, social services, and that can be like CPS, which I, I like CPS, um, or it can be uh, DIFUS, whatever. Whatever's in your town. And you're doing the right thing. And recovery, of course, is from a child recovering from whatever it is that they have uh, been put into crimes against children. Okay, crimes against children. So tonight we have this wonderful guest, and he is from Winona's house. And um, his name is Dominic Prophet. And he's been on, he was on last year and the year before. And I try to get him on at least once a year because um, he just has so much to offer his his organization. So I'm going to let him take the floor. And and you can speak about, you know, like what happens. First of all, explain about uh, Winona's house. It's it's investigative, I have here. Prosecure, you know, you prosecute or help prosecute people. There's a treatment center um, and also prevention services. And there's just so much here that I don't want to have to go into reading all this. I want you to, um, you know, talk about how you do outreach in the community and um, all the things that you offer people. Go ahead, Dominic. Well, thank you again, Carol, for inviting me to your show. It's, been, it's always a pleasure to come, come to your show and really have a conversation about, you know, child abuse and how many of us can take a take the step to not only – making sure that we report child abuse, but also supporting our community, our families, our friends, when they just need to know, you know, what is child abuse and how do we make sure that it's prevented. Um, if you know someone who has um, had um, or, or is in a, a situation where they're being abused, um, it is always good to call um, the hotline, um, which is, uh, the state hotline, um, 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 I think it's 188-NJ-ABUSE. And, of course, um, you can call the local authorities to make sure that they respond as well. Um, well, as you know, Winona's House is the CAC, the Child Advocacy Center, that serves uh, Essex County. We have child advocacy centers throughout the state of New Jersey. We serve particularly uh, the county of Essex. Um, so any type of abuse that occurs in that county is reported to either law enforcement or the Department of Child Protection and Permanency. Um, sometimes it can come through the um, reported to um, a, a medical caregiver. Um, but the response starts with the um, law enforcement may uh, begin the response or the Child Protection Services who gets an a, uh, indication that there is a child abuse that occurs. Um, one of the things that we do very well at uh, the center, and we do it in a multidisciplinary collaborative way, is to have a place for where children um, can come, 
not only to disclose abuse so that we could promote justice and make sure that the offenders are held accountable, but we also promote hope and healing for child victims of abuse and neglect throughout Essex County. And we do that, by, as you know, Carol, by coordinating investigations because we have the Essex County Prosecutor's Office Unit of uh, Sexual um, Violence Unit um, at the center or Special Victims Unit at the center. Um, we also have um, the um, Regional Diagnostic Treatment Center from New York Beth Israel, the uh, RDTC, where they do both um, medical treatment as well as examination of, of, of child abuse and neglect, as well as um, the therapeutic clinical um, treatment. So they do both the mental health the, and the physical health of the child. They, they can do it on site at the center. And more importantly, we have our Child Protective Services unit team there that responds to um, any um, allegation of abuse to investigate and to see, uh, make sure that the child is safe, and if so, um, if, if not, to make sure that they work to protect that child. Um, that child, um, and of course, you have the advocacy team that is there at the center as well um, that works under Winona's house. So family advocates, and and now now we have prevention advocates as well that are working at the center to support not only all the partners that are there as I mentioned, but also to support the families um, navigate the process once there is a disclosure and to begin the proper healing process for, that, for the child and for the family. That is just so awesome. You see, I, I, I really like that because uh, the reason why mm-hmm. I like it so much, like we had a little tiny conversation before the show, but, you know, um, a lot of times, uh, I even saw this on TV the other day, <laughs> okay, counselors can go into a home and, and just plain remove a child if they think that, you know, the child's in danger. Well, that's all well and good, but I don't know if they should have that right to just go barge into the home without, you know, the, the right type of investigation. What well, you do at your center, okay, at Winona's house is you really have people there working around the clock, I guess, I don't know, where you do all kinds of investigative uh, reports and investigation, period, okay? Because it's been my experience and probably a lot of other people's experience too, all right? If you can keep, if you can keep that family unit together, by giving them therapy or telling them where to go to get therapy, um, letting them know to come back to your center at any given time. And you really do follow this family, you know, with with all this trouble that's going on. Yes, you do. And and that's why I respect you so. So if you can keep the child in the family unit and that unit, you know, becomes what it should be, you know, to have children. Yeah, Yeah, that's better for a kid. Go ahead. Yeah, we'd definitely love to add to that. I think the first thing we do, and, 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 and the process is, is, really, is really is when a child is ready to disclose abuse, I'll um, mm-hmm. provide the safe place to do that. Um, when you come to the center, we have, um, from the minute you walk in, you can tell from the decor on the walls to the people who are greeting you to the process that we use, which is intentional, which is evidence-based, 
and it's trauma-informed. It, it allows the child to know immediately that they are safe. They're among people who understand what they have gone through, and they will listen to them. The key thing is that we make sure that there is no perpetrator that ever enters the space where the child comes to disclose. We have the non-offending caregiver there um, and uh, other non-offending family members there that can, that can come. Um, and the child is seen um, w- by a trained um, a forensic video interviewer from the prosecutor's office who is trained in this very um, um, technical way but very innovative way of speaking to the child um, so that not only the questions that are asked to the, chi- to, to the child is non-leading, but the child does not have to repeat their story to all these different um, responders who are mandated to respond to child abuse. Prior to 1985, I think this is really important to say, prior to 1985, um, children, when they had to disclose abuse, they would have to disclose to not only the Child Protective Service agents, not only to law enforcement, not only to the medical team, they would disclose and say the same story to over and over again, which obviously, uh, well, at that time it wasn't obvious, um, re-traumatized the child. And in that case, really was not um, um, the, the, um, the very people who were mandated to support and help the child was adding more trauma by, by that whole process. Through a CAC, the child only has to do a disclosure once because the manner in which we do it through this forensic video interviewer and while all these other parties who need to know what occurred um, um, is listening at the center without having to be directly the interviewer of that of um, of the child. So in that way, it minimizes the traumatizing experience of repeating those stories over and over again, where what we want to do is minimize that trauma, but at the same time, understand what happened so that we can make sure that the offender is held accountable and the family begins on the path of proper healing with the proper support. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's perfect. Um, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, years ago, now, because I had a lot of abuse in my life, but during the years of when I was eight, and I'd already had abuse. All right, like I said, I had it in my life. Um, but the way they handled things back then, okay, we're t- we're talking about. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Gee, I found my cell phone. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put that cell phone in the other room. Sorry. Okay, they'll just have to wait until I'm done, won't they? All right, so what I was starting to say is uh, years ago, years ago, um, it's changed so much, and especially by organizations like yours today. We, you know, when a child was abused, sexually abused, they just simply mm-hmm. had to go to the police department, Look at mug shots. And here you have police officers are walking around with, you know, the guns flipping off their hips. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And they look scary to a child. They absolutely do. Yeah. 
and um, you know they, they used to pick me up and put me on top of this uh, file cabinet and uh, give me a glass of milk and and a donut, and then I'm supposed to look mm-hmm. at all these mug shots one after another after another after another, and they would take me out. I think this is the worst part. They would take me out in of school. This is Staten Island, all right, in front of my peers. You know, mm-hmm. and of course they were giggling and all this stuff. You know, it made me feel like I was to blame for absolutely. Yeah. I was so traumatized. So when that happens, and and a person, a little person, doesn't have a safe place to go. All right, they don't have a safe place to go. Um, yeah. You know, this is just re-traumatizes them time after time after absolutely. time. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. To pick up on what you just said, you said that you know um, the um, when you went you went to a precinct and we're, mm-hmm. and when you went to that precinct you had officers with their guns and and all these different individuals that at the CAC would not happen because and this is what we mean by evidence based and trauma informed the studies show when you have an environment that sends the signal of to the child that there might not be a safe space <laughs> or this place is not one where children normally are, are, are frequent, it already sends the sense of, well, I'm already have a, gone through a very traumatic situation. This situation here is also additionally traumatic. So when you have, when you come to a CAC, you won't find an officer dressed in 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 a in a police officer um, uniform, <laughs> you won't have a, a police officer with um, walking around with a handgun. You have individuals who are trained and also um, dressed in 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 basic <laughs> excuse me basic clothing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. will begin a process that is based on studies that show that enhances one's ability to feel safe, one's ability to disclose in a way, in a manner in which they are ready to disclose and also ready to begin the supports that are necessary, whether it be therapeutic, medical, advocacy, or social work. It provides, it provides that type of situation where all of those disciplines are working together. And that's the key thing about the CAC, where in the past, all of these disciplines did it in isolation. At a CAC, we are coming together and having the conversation, working on how we should coordinate our work to optimize the support to the child and keeping the child at the center of that response, where in the past the child was an afterthought of the response. So every moment, that the, the, the very second that the child walks in, there is already an accord coordination to say what's the thing we should do because that first step is going to optimize the message of safety and support. And what's the second thing we should do with, with our partners? And each step is coordinated like a, a true thought-out dance to support the child in this very tra- and the family in this very problematic and traumatic period in their life. When a child is in crisis, when a family is in crisis, there needs to be a focus of wrapping them around and supporting them with all of the information that they need, but in a way that they can receive it, 
in a way that they feel safe to receive it and in a way that they know is going to support and, 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 and begin the process of healing the minute that they disclose, begin the process of healing um, from the trauma. Because it's not only the child that has been um, victimized, but the non-offending caregivers, the family members, non-offending family members have been victimized. The family has been, has, has been victimized, and it really rips them apart. So we, we, we begin the process not only to help piece it all back together, but to create um, the ability for that family to find, to, to find the healing necessary to raise a child and to be a family again. That's right. That's absolutely right. And okay, now you're talking about um, you know a family maybe that can be saved. Okay, because they're willing to listen, they want to change, they don't want to lose a child or their children, um, because they want to do better and they want to be better. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, what happens with um, families that um, they make the the child feel guilty in the sense of saying it's your fault, it's your fault, uh, you went down the street too far, or didn't I tell you not to go over there, however which way they were. Um, so, what, how, yeah. There is a lot, I mean, the reality there are, uh, there is a lot of shame and blame that goes around. People feel that, you know, um, or, or they take the position that, well, this could have been prevented. And oftentimes it's because of their own guilt. Oftentimes it's because there, there are factors that they feel that, um, that the child should bear the blame. But let's just be very, very clear. The child is never to blame. It is always, a, uh, it is always one that we have to in, in, uh, reinforce that when children disclose abuse, they ought, they ought to be believed, and they ought to be supported. One of the things that's important to know, and I believe not only at Winona's house, but social services in general, general are looking at, look, um, at, at they're looking to, um, to inform. It's not about people should approach the child and say, what's wrong with you? Instead of saying that, once it begins to say, to the child, what happened to you? And then move on to, from that and say, how can we help you and be a positive support in your life? That's what, that's moving from that blame you talked about, which is, which is takes the position of what's wrong with you, blaming the mm-hmm. child, telling them they have gone down the street more, or they, why did they do this in their own victimization, is moving away from saying that, taking the statement of what's wrong with you because that's what the child interprets when you do that, and moving it to those um, who are there to support the child and asking what happened to you. Tell us what happened because we believe you. And hopefully from there, moving it on to how can I be that positive support in your life, beginning to uplift and support and begin and to begin that change that's necessary, that support that's necessary, that will begin the healing process in the aftermath of that abuse. Right. And that is so, so important to get them to the point where there can be a healing process, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go any further, um, we do have Lori here. She's my co-host, and she's really, really good. I'm always glad when she's here. 
And then we have Philip also. And um, I want to see if either one of them have questions or if they want to make a comment. Okay, let's go to Lori first. She's at the top of the list here. Go ahead, Lori. Hi. Uh, I'm very impressed, of course. Um, the energy, the flow, uh, everything about it sounds wonderful. The only question that I have is how long do you keep in touch with these kids that come through just to yeah. see if what happens sticks Yeah. or is it going to fall back? Like how yeah. do you check what? to see? Yeah, thank you for that question. One of the things that we do, and we're proud of Atlanta and South, we don't necessarily, from the supportive programmatic point of view, we don't close our cases. What, even though the law enforcement may close their case or the child protective services may close their case, or even sometimes the medical, um, both the, the mental health and medical treatment component of the work that we do through with our partners, Newark Beth Beth Israel Regional Diagnostic Treatment Center, they may close their case. We, as the Family Advocates and the Family Advocacy Program, um, we don't necessarily close our case. We even have a program called the Family Advocate Volunteer Initiative. And that initiative actually recruits community volunteers, trains them to support, trains them in understanding the dynamics of abuse, the understanding of the of, of the um, the criminal justice system, understanding of how to support families, and um, and how to build a good rapport with families, um, and they support the family advocates who do the immediate response to supporting and and helping the the family and a child navigate the process towards healing, and of course the process to make sure that we hold the offender accountable. Um, so because of that, we're able to, using our volunteers and uh, who support our family advocates, our professional family advocates, um, they oftentimes call out and, and check up on the families and say, how's everything going, um, to kind of continue to get that support. Through that, we've, we've learned that families may have other gaps that they may need support that we go and step in and give that support which leads me to another program that we have launched this year. Not only do we um, stay with the families, uh, family as long as we're able to, not only through reaching out to them and see what they need, but providing various events every year, such as our back-to-school barbecue, our holiday magic, a holiday magic which allows and helps uh, families during the holidays get what they need to make sure that they have a good holiday. Um, um, back to school barbecue is like at, uh, at the end of the summer when kids are going returning back to school. We do a barbecue and we invite our families who came through the center and may have are, are and are on the journey of healing to come to the center and have a great end of summer barbecue where we are we provide them with all the supplies for um, for their school. Um, so that they, they don't have to worry about that. Um, one of the things that we know is that a, a child's education, if you're going to be successful in school, you need to start off on the right foot and having all of the proper supplies so that you can really be attentive during the, um, during the school year. We do that, those types of resiliency events throughout the year um, because we keep in touch with our families. We're, we're always there to support them and help them. And, uh, and one of the things um, that, we, that we've launched, one of the programs that we've launched this, um, 
this year is our prevention by design. And our prevention by design continues to not only engage our families, but engage the community that we, that at the end of the day, will be part of the solution to reducing child abuse and neglect in our community. And, and we call it prevention by design because we are taking a, real, a true um, approach of community-based prevention versus what they call community-placed prevention. Community-based prevention is one where you are learning and listening and keeping the voice of the community at the table as you shape your prevention activities versus what's called a community-based prevention, which usually takes maybe a study and says this is what we're going to do in intervention without the voice of the community telling you exactly what they need. So as we implement this very unique, innovative community-based prevention program where we are going and doing this what's called community, um, community listening um, and engaging our families and listening to what they need and beginning to shape our prevention from that perspective, um, that allows us to really respond to the, the changing needs of our community. And as we provide them with the information that they may require as they request through our conversation, they may request they want to know more about, you know, um, how to provide uh, proper support to their children for school, or they may, they may bring up and say they need to know more about how to, how to deal with food insecurities or financial support we will try to bring together uh, these experts in these workshops as they tell us that's what they need so that we can provide them with that information. Because an informed community is how we prevent the child abuse from happening. Um, and quite frankly, strengthening the families in the community. So when you have a strong family, child abuse doesn't have the space. Child abuse, those predators don't have the space to maneuver to have um, to get access to children so that they can abuse them. Um, if the family is informed about um, um, the dynamics of child abuse, they are more aware of how they can prevent it. When we talk about how we can support them to minimize the risk factors that um, cause child abuse and optimize the protective factors, you don't see child abuse. It is, it, the data shows you don't see child abuse on the rise. You see it coming down. And quite frankly, when you do that, you also are able to have more people who may not know about child abuse or may not understand child abuse um, and how, how to prevent it. Or those who may be experiencing child abuse, they also learn how to, um, how to disclose, which allows us to identify current child abuse that may be happening in our community, that may be, may be hidden in those shadows to come out so that we can help those families. All of it has a positive outcome if we do that through this particular new initiative called Prevention by Design. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you have to say to that, Lori? <laughs> I'm blown away. <laughs> I know. Oh my, oh my He's God. wonderful. I, listen, I, I like, love this CAC. I love it because um, I, I've worked with a lot of this and so forth. But, you know, let me tell you something. The, he has so much passion. Now, Dominic, you know what I'm talking about when I say so much passion. <laughs> because you see, his dedic his dedication is is overwhelming. 
All right, it's overwhelming. And and um, what he's doing is he's got all of these ways that people right in their own community, you know, just by ha- having the barbecue, like you were just saying, um, you know, and, and making sure the kids have something for Christmas, hello, or whatever other type of, you know, Kwanzaa or, or whatever they happen to, uh, you know, be a part of in their lives, um, to reach out, to, you know, to the families. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. you don't hear that, all right, from other CACs. Yes, I will admit a lot of times when school starts, they they do try to uh, make sure that kids have backpacks and uh, you know whatever they need to be you know put into the backpacks, crayons, pencils, pens, whatever. Um, they do make a and they do an outreach in the community and look for donations so that people you know can help kids that you know are in need, you know, things like that. Um, and that's very important. But, you know, these people at Winona's house, they have also the volunteer level is very high, I'm sure. And they can cover all the areas that he was actually uh, speaking about and then report back, you know, to someone like Dominic or whoever he has working under him, you know, to address those issues where the need might be. Let me go here to uh, Philip. And uh, see if Philip has something that he'd like to say or ask. Um, no, thank you. I don't have anything to say or ask today. I kind of wish I did. Mhm. Well, he's okay. Um, but is he not amazing? <laughs> you have to admit it. You hear all that. It's it's outrageous. And um. So I didn't know. I don't think you have a question. You want to just listen right now. But you see, the point is this. This is an organization that covers the front of an issue, the back end of an issue, the sides of an issue. Every every part of the issue that could be, you know, they take care of. That's right. And that, That's that right. really is, yeah, you can hear that, Philip. Well, he can hear it too. <laughs> and uh, Lori's like blown away. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at your bio here. I don't really have to, but I, I want to look at it. Um all right, let me ask you something. Increasing successful prosecution through improved evidence of collection. What what do you how do you play a part in that to your organization? Well, the, the evidence collection is that's done through the prosecutor's office. The Essex County Prosecutor's Office has a special victims unit co-located at our center. As are all our partners, we have um, again the SBU, which is the Special Victims Unit of the Essex County Prosecutor's Office. New York Beth mm-hmm. Israel has a diagnostic treatment center, and all the professionals, the medical staff, the treatment staff are co-located there. The Child Protection Services, Department of Child Protection and Permanency, they have their social, um, um, regional, um, social, social, social workers who um, um, represent the various localities in uh, Essex County. Um, at the center and, and and are able to respond immediately. Their their, their immediate response unit is there. Um, the key thing is that the way we make um, um, the way we support it is through the collaboration. Although law enforcement takes on that particular piece, it is through the collaboration that we support them in regards to what's called the multidisciplinary team. It's called the MDT. And that on that team, there is conversation and collaboration between all of those professionals. So when a case comes before us, the MDT, 
The professionals all leverage their expertise, their knowledge, and their want to hold the offender accountable and to, and to uh, protect the child and to support the child in, on his or her journey to heal in collaborative conversation. <clears throat> and it's through that conversation that you have this um, plan that is organized and optimized to ensure, again, that the family is supported, but at the end of the, at the, end of the day, the, the offender um, is held accountable. It is through that support that you optimize the probability that the offender will be held accountable. Um, um, but for that coordination, you may not have the same level of um, cooperation from um, um, those who are victimized um, and families who are traumatized. Um, that collaboration allows um, the child and the family to feel and to know that there will be the um, the, the most coordinated way to make sure that the, that the offender is held accountable. At the same time, um, being mindful of the um, um, not only the child's development, but the, where the child is in regards to dealing with that trauma. That conversation leverages the experts who are social workers and, and, and those who are um, psychologists and, and, and those who are counselors um, and those who are of medical staff were leveraging all of that, um, all of all of those expertise to have a specific coordinated plan on how to achieve the best for that child and that family. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, if a kid comes in or comes to you, even on their own, say, "Okay, they know where you are." Okay, I, I know Newark pretty well. Okay, so I, I know about Newark. Um, they can come to your door. They can come in. Can they come? Can they just walk into the door and say, "Look, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble," and and maybe they have been sexually abused. Let's just say they have been, and they're a mess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now I'm sure you've even already had that happen many times. All right. So the kid walks in, and uh, the child is is scared. He's he or she is frightened. I have to say he too, because. Dominic, you know, so many times they always think that it's little girls that get no. abused. Well, it's little boys, too. We know this, okay? So it's, it's both. It, 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 it can be, um, although the, predominantly the numbers are um, girls, um, mm-hmm. uh, but there's physical abuse, there's sexual abuse. Um, so all of those types of abuse um, we see. Mm-hmm. We even see... At times, we see um, 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 a, a, a what's called poly victimization. Not only is there sexual abuse, there might be some bullying, there might be human trafficking, uh, yeah. all types of um, types of violence that we see that are uh, um, that, that may be co-occurring in a particular case, um, and it happens to um, young boys as well as young girls. That's right. Absolutely. The stats say that, you know, there's more girls, but the boys, they're catching up. I mean, I think maybe they're finding out even more that little boys are almost in the same position as little girls, you know, for being sexually abused. Yeah. Yeah. There is no – it it, it really – it depends on – not depends, but, you know, a a perpetrator will look to victimize um, 
um, a child, um, and they usually try to gain access. And oftentimes the perpetrator is a known person. Um, and it's, 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 it's a myth that um, um, those who commit abuse, sexual mm-hmm. abuse or otherwise, is a stranger, is the idea of stranger danger. And that's really a myth. It is oftentimes a person that they know, a person that has the trust of the family and has gained, and has gained the trust of the child. Um, it could be a father, it could be a brother, it could be an uncle, it could be, it is oftentimes someone who is already in a, a, um, a circle of access to the child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let me ask you something. When you, um, we need to tell the people this, when, when you, uh, when court date comes up, everything is, everything has been, the, the, the T's have been dotted and the I's are dotted, all this other stuff, and it's time for this child, a child, to go to court, okay? Does someone go to court with them, or um, how does that work? We oftentimes, we often have our family advocates who sometimes accompany the family and the child, um, and I think that the prosecutors have their victim advocates um, who also um, would also support the family. So there is um, um, there, there there are um, opportunities to support them, support the family and the child when they go to court. They're not left to just go by themselves. So um, there is support there. Right, right. And, they see, that's what's so frightening, too, to children. I remember because um, in Staten Island, the guy I got me he, and 14 other little girls, okay, 15 in all, actually. The 15th one was um, he tried to, and a teenage boy saw mm-hmm. him pull a little girl into the car, and he did the right thing. He he got the plate number, and that's how that guy was caught. So yeah. there would have been 15, okay? Not now, yeah, yeah, thank God he was a smart kid, all right? So um, when court date came, there were 15 little girls in New York and Staten Island um, standing there watching the monster because, believe me, he's a monster. <laughs> I don't care yeah. if he is shackled all over the place. He's a monster walking in to get sentenced. Now, this guy only got three years for all these amount of little girls, and I being one of them. That's yeah. ludicrous. And he got out in a yeah. year and a half. Okay, I think I told you that once before. So um, that's not. There's no justice there. And then a kid has to worry. You know, first time offenders because I couldn't find them in the mug shots. Okay, going back to the police department, um, yeah. and, and neither could the other little girls. They couldn't find them either. Had yeah. this teenage boy not seen this, he, you know, he'd still, you know, well, he wouldn't be now. He'd be dead, I hope. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, yeah. um, he would be out there for many, many years, and he only got a year and a half anyway because uh, the wife was petitioning the court that, uh, and he had three kids of his own and a little eight-year-old girl, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, petitioning the court that it was a hardship for the family. So he got out in a year and a half. For all yeah. those offenses that we know of, and that's what people have to understand, just because I say 15, possible 15, almost 15, doesn't mean that that's the only ones that they had or yeah. he had. You know, this is the first time he got actually caught. Now, yeah. of course, children are very, very frightened to go to court, and the families 
they're, they're scared to and or, or very angered or, or whatever the case might be. It's mixed yeah. emotion, you know that with the adults. So they're they're angry, they're sad, they're they're frightened, they're all kinds of stuff. Um, when when it's all over with, okay, and the person gets sentenced, and hopefully they get a much much stronger sentence than what my guy got. All right. Yeah. Um, what do you do with the family? Are they allowed to come back to your center and sit down and maybe chill, you know, sit there and try to collect themselves if they want to and have people talk to them? Go ahead. Oftentimes, you know, that's just the beginning of the process. The prosecution um, of the offender is the the immediate response, and, of course, that legal process will take place. But after that is done, that continues through our family advocacy program. Um, the family continues to get support um, through our uh, family advocacy program. Oftentimes, we, as we learn, you know, and get the details of what's going on within the family, we learn that there may be some food insecurities. We learn that the, um, um, the non-offending caregiver um, may want to pursue a, um, an education and or or um, a, a training program because possibly you know the the offender was um, the breadwinner and, and if that's the case you know there there, there may be an, a hardship there so all of the, uh, learning all of those different um, um, challenges and possible gaps. Our family advocacy program and our family advocates, who are the the family advocates, are so stellar in how they do and the way they do. They're multilingual, well trained, um, and they have the heart um, and the passion to really help each family really piece these different things together. Not only about you know responding and and supporting um, the immediate. Um, reason for them to come to to come to the center, but we begin to build support the family in other areas, such as again, it could be you know um, um, helping the family to um, um, look for um, to get a GED if that's what's needed. Um, if there's food insecurity, um, we support in trying to support, um, get them uh, and connect the dots for them to get. Um, uh, provisions and, and 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 support there. If there's a young um, young children there, um, and their need for clothing, or or you know during let's say during a holiday and, and they can't afford to have a full Christmas, we have we work with various partners. We do a program called Blue Christmas that is um, <clears throat> we work with um, an organization called. Um, I design and um, and um, Harry Carson, who is a former uh, NFL football Hall of Famer and football player for the Giants. We do a Blue Christmas, and we work with the SOA, which is the Superior Officers Association of the Newark Police Department. Call come together to support the um, the families in, in in those needs. We try to put all support to to strengthen that family. Because with a, a family that has um, doesn't have to worry about food in, um, 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 in, uh, in the following week, a family that doesn't have who can be on the path of getting um, a way to provide 
uh, independent income to support their family, a family who may need to move because of safety reasons, and we help them to find housing. Uh, <clears throat> those who may have a need um, because they have, you know, um, um, you know, they've been harmed and they need medical attention. We support that. Um, we, we support the family to strengthen the family because a strong, strong family is a family that's going to heal much faster. Um, 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 enhancing those protective factors allows the family to sooner get back to where they should have been prior to that abuse. That's amazing. You see, most organizations, I don't have to tell you this, but other people may not know this, but most organizations, they just take, you know, they do the paperwork and they go on the computer. They do that type of work on the computer, then and they maybe they do the paperwork first. They have them fill out all kinds of things about their background. Um, if they go to some sort of center looking for help, okay, and, and they ask, you know, pertinent questions, and then they put it into the computer, and then it takes a while, maybe a few days, maybe a week before they get back to them. Okay, this one's in trouble. That one we did that. That we have to get formulate, you know, a crew to go over this individual's house. And, um, you know, like go inside and see what we can see. Um, you, it, the children, they don't benefit by this, okay? They don't benefit mm-hmm. by that because uh, a lot of times they're coached ahead of time. You know this, they're coached ahead of time. If someone asks you a question, you say this, and but don't say that, okay? And they're sitting there or standing there, and they're all dressed all nicely and all this other stuff, and yet there's a lot of abuse going on to that house, into that house, because one of the children was able to come to right. you, okay, right. and make a, well, well, sort of like a complaint, you know what I'm saying? I think, what happens then? I, think, I mean, you... Well, I think uh, what you mentioned there was the grooming pro- the grooming aspect of abuse. Um, oftentimes, um, abusers um, they they are methodical and they're very um, uh, methodical. And sometimes uh, it may take a while for them to position themselves in a way that they have the ultimate trust. The child before they do the act of abu- the, the, the act of or the abusive act um, 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 and part of that is what you just mentioned they they tell the child or if you if you say this this is going to happen to you or it's going to or, or mm-hmm. this is, parents are going to be upset they use those those grooming tactics to, to isolate the child and isolate them away from those who would protect them. Um, and quite frankly, um, that is part of the reason why it's so important to be out there in the community and to do the, this prevention work, to educate not only what, um, you know, about um, 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 some of the uh, topics that uh, uh, the community, um, members of the community may say they need, but also insert some of the disinformation that is a must for every person in regards to the dynamics of abuse, the grooming process of abuse, how do mm-hmm. the signs of abuse when, for a child, particularly when the often child, oftentimes when a child is abused, if they go to school, they may be unkept. They may come in, they may be very quiet. Some, oftentimes is though there are those who are um, who will who will uh, their behavior 
um, when they're abused will show that they're very quiet. Um, it doesn't mean that a, a child who is quiet is abused, but those are signs of abuse. You start to see 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 those signs, um, mm-hmm. um, physical abuse. You'll see uh, certain uh, markings or, um, as you know, um, on the body. Um, 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 when it comes down to sexual abuse, you, you have signs of being, um, you know, shying away from groups because they have been um, told about, you know, um, of sharing information would would bring other harm. So it's so important to do that type of education, and we plan to do that a lot more through our prevention by design when we go into the community, not only to to shape um, to shape a um, workshop. Um, um, based on what our community are saying, on some of the needs and information they would like to hear about and learn about, but mm-hmm. uh, but also inform them about the dynamics of abuse, that the d- dynamics of violence, whether it be domestic violence, um, the information about the dynamics of you know how um, um, people can be trafficked. And many of them are being trafficked in their own home in this age of social media. So all of that yep. is going to be part of, we hope, um, part of that conversation we're going to have uh, with our community, but it's going to be tailored to the needs of each particular community. Um, so as we go from one particular part of Essex County, whether it be Irvington or, or uh, Montclair, um, mm-hmm. it will be a little different than it would be in Short Hills or oranges and so on. Right. I know all those areas that you just mentioned. And, and you work with all of those counties. Is that correct? I remember oh, you saying something. Okay. Like, yeah. We, mm-hmm. work with all, we work with all, we, we oversee the work in child abuse and neglect that happens in all of those municipalities that's within Essex County. Of course, as I said, all the various counties throughout the state has, has, they have now an associated um, CAC, a child advocacy center, that um, they can go to. If, if, if anyone is interested to, uh, or wants to know the, the CAC in their county in New Jersey um, mm-hmm. that is affiliated with, um, with their county, you should, they should visit um, um, the New Jersey Children's Alliance website, which will have uh, the CACs that is associated in that county. Of course, in Essex County, um, if, 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 if abuse happens in Essex County, um, Winona South is a CAC that, that serves and supports uh, in a collaborative, uh, evidence-based way um, um, the disclosure that happened in, uh, happens in our county. <laughs> you see, when you live in the urban areas, which I used to live in Elizabeth, okay, too, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm and, in Elizabeth. Um, I, I lived on Sheridan Avenue by the Nabisco cookie place. Yeah. And, honey, honey yeah. you know what that is? I, I was so yeah. hungry in those <laughs> days. You know you know where it is. Okay, good. Um <laughs> I'd smell those cookies being made, and I'd be so hungry. Oh, it was blowing my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. But let me ask you something now. Oh, yeah, it's like I'm back home, for God's sake, talking to you. But anyway, the point uh-huh. is this. Um, 
Uh, yeah, we lived on Sheridan Avenue. That was wild. But anyway, yeah, we got a car stolen. We had some guy come into our apartment. We lived upstairs in a four-family house at one point. And uh, he walked in. I, my husband forgot to, to lock the door. Oh, gosh. And this guy comes walking in, and, and he's got a gun. And he comes oh, into no. our bedroom. Oh, yeah. Invasion. He came into our bedroom, and... Uh, oh. He, uh, I got under the covers. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> if, he, well, if he's going to oh, shoot I'm, me, Dominic, I'm thinking to myself, he's going to shoot me. I don't want to see it, all right? And then I realized okay. my husband was under there, too. <laughs> we were both under the covers, like hiding, all right? And uh, so finally I peeked my head out. I think I'm, I was a little bit more brave than he. And I said, uh, uh, are you sure you got the right place, buddy? He says, no, I'm not at all. I think this is the wrong apartment. I said, well, have a good night. <laughs> oh, my well, God. A... That was Sheridan Avenue, okay? Yeah, and you know right my... where it is, too, by the Nabisco Company, right? So, yeah. I mean, I had my wild times over there. But anyway, the point is this. <laughs> Getting back to the bio here. Um, okay, now I forgot what I was going to ask you, for God's sake. But... Um, <laughs> The point is this. All right, here, I have a question for you, and then I'm going to go to the panel. Um, if a kid comes in and they're really very frightened and, and you're not sure what to do with that child, you don't want them to go back to their home, okay, because they say that they're being – you can see bruises. Say say it's, it's visible. You see bruising. Right. And, um, you know, maybe the kid had a bloody nose, you know, a slap in the face, and, and their nose was bleeding too. And that's um, typical of um, – and if, if that's the case, if, um, we again we have our partners at the center. If something mm-hmm. like that were to, if, uh, if, if that kind of scenario or or or, or, or situation um, um, was presented at the center, um, we have our partners there. DCPMP, the Department of Child Protection and Permanency, or the Division of Children and Families, um, they are there. So they have their representatives there. They would take the lead. In, in, in that response. Um, if a child's um, uh, physical abuse or neglect, mm-hmm. um, they would mm-hmm. be responding and do, conducting an investigation uh, to make sure that the child is safe. And if necessary, uh, if a child is in danger, they will be, uh, they will be able to bring, uh, make sure that child is uh, in a safe space um, and if necessary, um, a complaint of abuse, uh, physical abuse can be brought on the on the uh, on the county's behalf uh, in protection in protecting that child. Do you have safe houses anymore? I know that there used to be a lot of safe houses. Yeah, that's, that's a, that, you're, you're dating on that term. I, I, don't, I don't know if they call them safe houses, but they are foster homes, um, mm-hmm. of course. Um, that is um, that are. Um, um, uh, managed well, and regulated. Um, many of them are, are contracted out, but the Department of Child Protection and Permanency um, uh, manages to place children in foster homes if necessary. Okay, that's good. That's good. Because, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's just for a short period, that child would have a place to go that night and maybe for a few weeks until things get unraveled and, and all the yep. investigative reports have been done and handed in and everybody's had a chance to sit down and talk about it and, and yeah. so forth. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's very good. Because, you see, when you talk about, um, well, when you talk about, you know, with the grooming, like you said before, 
Um, sometimes, especially when it's in the family unit, we know that's where basically that where it happens many, many, many times. Um, some that perpetrator, whichever way he is, sexual, physical, mental, emotional, neglect, whatever, will say mm-hmm. to the kid, you know, if you don't if you don't behave yourself, you're going to end up you're going to end up in a place where you know because you don't have any parents, so we we won't even we'll disown you and we'll never see you again. And that child, because of that, is so frightened to open up their mouth. They they know where they are now. But if they open their mouth, they don't know where they're going to go. You know, I've seen that. And that's a again, very frightening thing. Yeah. And that, that goes to, you know, that goes to not only grooming, but it also goes to many of those who perpetrate abuse. Um, they use that as a tactic to uh, make sure the child that n- never disclose. Again, that's the reason why it's important for, it, for this to also be not just, um, a CAC response, right, the partners at the CAC, but it's a community response. The community has to get involved. That's why you talked about earlier about mandated reporters. It is important mm-hmm. for not only to understand um, the dynamics of abuse and the signs of abuse, um, but how they can report. Um, you know, there's a, the hotline that we talked about earlier, that calling in, calling in a report of abuse and allowing the authorities to go out and investigate is, is truly important. You know, um, you know, child abuse and neglect, it, it's a generic term, right? It encompasses all the, all the uh, ill treatment or the maltreatment of children, including serious physical abuse, sexual assault, all those types of cases. Um, so it's a broad term. So it does include not only sexual assault, physical abuse. It could be uh, mental abuse. I mean, all of those. Um, harm or, or the, the maltreatment of children fall under child abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see what you have. See, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. So I try to simplify things a little bit for people who are listening because I know there's a lot of people listening. Sure. And they are in awe by you, okay, because quite frankly, your CAC offers and has so many different departments that covers so many angles of abuse and, and working with the police and the nurses, the doctors, the psychiatrists, whatever is needed is available through you. And, and, and you know, the family, hopefully, is uh, helped and, and then the child doesn't have to go, you know. And I'm not saying this in a horrible way because foster care, it can be wonderful or it can have its problems too, okay? We know this. So to have that family unit being kept together, of course, is the the best uh, case yeah. scenario, I think. Let, let me go to uh, Lori and see if she has uh, something she'd like to ask you or make a comment about. Go ahead, Lori. Hey. <laughs> the mm-hmm. only thing, you know, you've got everything going on there. There's no doubt about it. And, and your energy can be felt all over. I mean, you're very much needed. You might not be able to answer the question, but I can't help but thinking of why aren't there more of you, like throughout the states? Well, we we do. That's that's what I was mentioning. I think at some at one point we I I believe there were only seven CACs throughout the state, but now we have uh, in all 21 counties in our state um, mm-hmm. there is an associated and affiliated CAC. Um, some of the CACs are like us. Um, we're nonprofit based. Um, we have 
Um, we are fully co-located, which means all of the first responders are co-located in the same building so that they can communicate and coordinate in real time. And there are some that are prosecutorial based, where it is through the prosecutor's office and they have a CAC component or MDT component where they have all of the disciplines coming together, having those conversations and coordinating their work to optimize um, the, the response uh, um, when child abuse is disclosed. So um, it's, a different mo- it's, it's a different model. We are one of the very unique ones that has, a, I guess, the gold standard because it, the CAC movement has always said that, it, um, that that collaboration works best when we are all together in the same space and speaking to each other, coming together in our MDT or multidisciplinary team where the disciplines are conversing on the facts of the case and what's going on and how to approach it, making sure that, that all the disciplines, um, the need for each discipline are met, but the sensitivity necessary um, not only from the child's perspective, but for, for those who are trying to help the family and the child um, are taking into account. Um, um, so that's really the gold standard to have. But, but other CACs that are based through prosecu- uh, the prosecutor's office do a tremendous and great work, and they are throughout. So now we have a CAC that, that uh, CAC is affiliated with each county throughout our state. So we do have that now today which is a great thing, and that was partly because of our network led by the New Jersey Children's Alliance um, that, that really coordinates uh, and supports all the CACs throughout the state. Um, here in Essex County, Wynona's house, named after Senator Littman, who was a, um, just a champion of children's rights and women's rights when she was senator back, um, uh, and she was the first African-American woman senator and first woman senator who championed those causes when those causes were not championed in New Jersey at all. Um, um, uh, Winona's house was is able to do that for Essex County, but we do have uh, PACs affiliated um, um, to every county throughout the state now. Yeah, that part is absolutely wonderful. I wish New York was as lucky because they don't have it there. And that's why they need it. New York does have a CAC. I know one in particular, um, the CAC that is run through um, Safe Horizon, uh, the hmm. Child Advocacy Center that's run through Safe Horizon, and they have a pretty good one there as well. Um, w- 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 the great thing about CACs, it is a national movement. And um, um, the uh, National Children's Alliance that supports and builds, uh, helps build CACs throughout our nation is one that is, um, that is fairly robust. Almost every state you can find some CACs in those states. The key thing, and to your point, we need more of them, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but we do have a national movement of of um, getting CACs nationally in every state. The National Children's Alliance, who um, supports and advocates for CACs at a federal level, um, does great work to ensure that type of representation and, 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 and make sure that CACs in all states live up to the, to the, to the top standards necessary for CACs to be as good as Winona's house. 
equally as good as white owners house. So it's 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 a good thing to um to mention that as as well. Yeah, I agree with you. This world needs definitely it's shaping up, thank God for you. I mean if you were it didn't exist it would be so horrible. I mean so horrible. It, so child abuse it, is making progress um through organizations and you especially so, you know, at least you can look in the future and say, oh, it, you know, it's getting really bad, but in ways it's getting really good because now we have all these organizations that can handle all this bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I look the at key, it that way. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the right approach. The key thing is this, we have more and more organizations, CACs in particular, that are leveraging all the various disciplines so that a child doesn't have to relive what was once the norm, where the child had to restate their um, their trauma over and over again to the very people who are supposed to help them. When you have a child um, in the past that would disclose to one person or one um, agency, let's say the um, law enforcement, but then they're asked to redisclose and say the same thing over and over again to other organizations who are there to help them. It goes back to what Carol said. She said when she was first, you know, when she disclosed, she was at the precinct and they put her um, on a cabinet and then you had these police officers walking by and then they just, it was almost as if she was not even there. It, right. At the CAC, the child is at the center. The child is the focus. The child comes in, and they are able to get the services from all of these disciplines who are who are supposed to, who are mandated to help them and want to help and want to make sure that the offender is accountable and want to make sure that the family is on the path to healing and understanding how to get there and is coordinated. And the child's um, well-being is kept at the center. The child is not invisible, where in the past, often the child was invisible. That's exactly right. And, boy, you hit the nail on the head when you said that. It's like the child is invisible. Because yeah. once they plop me up there <laughs> on this file cabinet, okay, um, they weren't talking to me. They weren't asking me if I was okay um, or is there something you want to talk about or you need to talk about. Or And they, as you know, professionals, they should know, you know, what I'd be concerned about. Like, uh, is this guy going to get me again? You know what I'm saying? Um, well, things that go through a kid's head when they have been kidnapped and raped, okay? So you can imagine. Um, you know, what does go through a child's head. And when he was sentenced, I was thinking, um, you know, okay, he got three years. Um, uh, I'll be 11 years old when he gets out, and he knows where I live, all right? And then he got a year and a half. (laughs) I didn't even know that until some time later. And in those days, they used to put the the kids' uh, names in the papers, okay? Really? So. Oh, yes, they did. I mean, okay, it happened on a Sunday, supposedly my yeah, – they now did that, Dominic. Um, I knew a lot about the history, um, but that I did not know, and, and that is that – that's unconscionable that that, that was done. And, and, and the fact that it, it, 
that was done, it shows how there was no thought, no evidence, no type of, of there wasn't a type of, of, of dedication to understand what it meant for a child to experience abuse because yeah. that the idea that one would do that, it, it, it really says, you know, there is no focus about the child. We don't want, it, 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 the, the, the fact that one would, I mean, to put a name in the paper is to, is to spread the trauma, the child's personal trauma to all to the community, making that child specifically a victim in that such, um, you know, it's it, it just something for me not having um, um, lived during that particular time is, is, is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was very, very frightened, okay? I was actually meek back then. <laughs> okay, yeah. I got over that, but you know, obviously. But anyway, um, yes, I, I was like, we had a, and I say this at times, we had um, a, a man that was a part of NASCA. He's a NASCA family member, and he used to say he felt like wallpaper. And I thought about that in his home. He felt like wallpaper. Okay, mm. um, he, in other words, he whatever he said, no one heard, no one cared. Um, they didn't care about his feelings. There was none of the, none of the things, uh, you know, like he didn't exist, like you said, okay? So they just plopped me up there, and I'm sure they did that with the other ones too, um, you know. And, yes, our names were all in the paper. Um, this happened on a, a Sunday. Uh, my so-called father, I found out through ancestry, was not my father, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. He did come to see myself and my brother at times, and he wasn't a good man. He was an alcoholic. But anyway, the point mm. is abusive, abusive. <laughs> but anyway, okay, um, he was due to take us to Coney Island. Now, I'm from New York. Lori's from the Bronx, okay? So uh, I loved the city. I did in those days. But I was waiting for my father to, to show up. Where are you? Why Why are you so late? Why are you so late? I knew him as my father. Where are you? Where are you? And that's how I got nabbed. I got pulled into the vehicle. Just like by yeah. number 15. Okay. Right. So anyway, the point is this. Um, while sitting there, I was very, very embarrassed, humiliated is better for that, uh, feeling neglected, feeling very alone. It's a very frightening uh, feeling for a child when they've been kidnapped and raped. Um, you know, and then to have all these police around. Not that I hated cops, because I still like police officers, absolutely. I worked with them, okay, in detention. But the problem is that, you know, at the end of the day, when you're looking at all these pictures, you don't find them, they get exasperated. You you go and see one person there that looks like that man? I said, no. What am I supposed to do, lie? So they took me home, and then finally I said to my mother, I said, please, Call the police department and tell them to come to our house. Have detectives come, because I'd already spoken to detectives. And they seemed a little bit nicer, actually. And and so um, that's what they did then. Then they had the detectives come to the house and have me look at mugshots there. And that was was a lot better. But, yes, our names were in the paper. And I remember I took two days off from school. My mother let me stay home. And... um, I was a mess in plain English. No hospital, though. Okay, no doctor, no nothing. And I can't, uh, you know, tell you how bad I was as a, as a mess. 
blood flowing here and there, whatever. Um, we are. So, yeah, and and not a good home either. <laughs> CPS didn't like them at all. But anyway, um, I remember going into school on Tuesday or Wednesday, and all these kids, because our name was in the paper, right? Uh, all uh, these kids were all lined up, and I remember walking past them, and they're horrific. snickering at me. Yeah. That's, that's horrific. Oh, my God. Yeah. I cannot, I'm so sorry to hear that, Carol, that you went through that. I am it, fortunate that there was a movement to truly do true evidence-based type of um, not only understanding of child abuse, but coordination mm-hmm. of investigation uh, and, and coordinating those supportive services and keeping it child-centered because that is so, not, not only is it not trauma-informed, but it is truly um, um, re-exacting another form of abuse on the child that has gone mm-hmm. through, you know, this type of, you know, horrific experience. You know, that's we right. talk about adverse childhood experiences, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's one. That's, a, that's an adverse childhood experience. And there are all types of adverse childhood experience. You know, corporal punishment is an adverse childhood experience. You know, any mm-hmm. type of trauma falls within adverse childhood experience. And, 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 and oftentimes the higher, uh, um, the more ch- adverse childhood experiences that you, that one endures, the greater, uh, impact it has on your health, the greater impact it has on, 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 on positive outcomes that you may have as an adult. Oftentimes, it's because you, one has a, 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 high, um, a lot of adverse childhood uh, experiences that you find yourself, you know, um, not only um, dealing with more types of sicknesses uh, or types of drug use or coping mechanisms, but the good thing about about knowing that, and I think you're surprised to what you, um, you just told me about what you went through, Carol. There are many things that one goes through in regards to positive childhood experiences that counteracts that. And the more positive childhood experiences allows a child to overcome all of the trauma that they um, they may go through in life. And I could only put, only think that you had a lot of great positive childhood experiences that allowed you to be who you are today. Actually, I had a, um, a horrific life all my life. I think what saves me is that I have a tremendous sense of humor. I don't know why. Ask positive Lori, she knows. Your joy of life was 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 a positive factor in your life that helped you overcome that. And I'm sure you had many great people in your life that also supported you and helped you overcome mm-hmm. some of those adverse childhood experiences. I had a couple good teachers. Okay. Yes, all of them. In, in school. I had, one was in Staten Island, and the other one was later on in high school. I had two good teachers. They, they cared, okay. And um, sure. then also, too, I joined a, um, a prayer group, and wow, those psychiatrists there, wow. 200 people in a prayer group, you're gonna, they come from all walks of life. So right. we had them right there in the church, and they got a hold of me, and, boy, they did a job on me. Yes, they did, but it was a positive one, and that's why I'm yeah. where, I, where I am at today. I'm a counselor. I work with people all the time, you know, and, <laughs> you know. 
So um, because of the few people. Yeah. Say again? Because of the, my my connection here isn't very good. I don't mean to talk over you, but um, no, okay. because of the few the, the few people in my life that were positive influences who were adults, okay, um, they really they really helped me tremendously. And that's why I always yeah. tell people if you're in trouble, all right, I, you, you can doctor shop. There's nothing wrong with that in this sense, okay. Um, you can uh, a therapist, find a counselor, um, whatever, and and uh, it's not always going to be a comfortable thing. You know, uh, because a lot of times when you have, uh, like, panic disorder, that's what I got from that. Um, It was panic disorder. And suicidal ideations, I had those two things. And I did try to kill myself at 17. Right. Yeah. All right, so you see, but this is what we go through. All the people on NASCA, I'm not unique. And and all the people that you deal with, okay, many of those people, are going to end up, a lot of them, maybe they're alcoholics, they're drug addicts, or they self-harm, they do all kinds of things. And, um, and then other times, they, if they get the proper help, and you offer so much in your organization, this is right. why I want you on every year, maybe even more, I don't know. <laughs> you, know uh, well, you give, you you give people know. hope. I love you. I think you're great. But, you know, um, you know it, it shows that with the proper coordination, the proper coordination of all the teams that you have and all the work that each team does for the individual so that they're not, their name isn't in the newspaper, so they're not plopped on some, uh, you know, cabinet in the police department and ignored, uh, and all the things, and going having to go to school like that because your name is in the paper, all right? And uh, so everybody knows it. All the things that you were just talking about, um, look, it's, it's, it, in that sense, it's gotten a lot better today, and I'm thankful for that. Very, very thankful. So when you know Winona's house, you offer so much for the victim, you know, the child, um, and for the family, and you have so many different organizations within your own organization that work together. So you might, Again, I'll bet you have a good track record. Go ahead. So I just wanted to say that. It's Winona's House is made up of all of these independent organizations already mandated mm-hmm. to respond to abuse, coming together as a team and collaborating mm-hmm. and coordinating their work so that the child is always at the center, not an afterthought. The child is visible and, in, and, and always the, 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 at the forefront of our approach not an afterthought and invisible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing. That's great. See, that means a whole bunch of someone like myself. And, again, I'm not unique. NASCAR's full of people like me, okay? Yep. Lori had a horrific life. You know, she had a horrific life. And, and I had one. And, and Philip, I think, has had one. But that's, you know, we don't push people to talk about it when they're ready. They talk about it. If they don't want to talk about it, they don't have to talk about it. They just sit and listen. They learn, and and that's what we're trying to do. Let me ask you something. Um, how do you think? Uh, I mean, do you go into schools and talk about bullying? Do you have? Um, uh, you spoke. You mentioned bullying before. Um, if right. a kid is bullied, they'll come in. Do you have a team that goes into a school, any other, oh. whether it's urban or, well, it has to be urban over, yeah. or in Essex County. Go ahead. So, so 
so that actually to, to answer that question, so that goes to our new initiative, Prevention by Design. Prevention by Design allows a prevention team to go into will our prevention will be go will go into specific communities in Essex County. We're going to start with two this year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and begin to have that conversation about a what are the needs. And in understanding those those needs, we will, uh, if necessary, if needed, um, um, discuss bullying or bring those who have the knowledge to discuss bullying to the community who is asking for this information, to discuss the dynamics of that domestic violence if the community wants to learn more about domestic violence or if, there's, if the community says we want to learn more about how to assist those who are struggling with a drug addiction or alcoholism, we will bring that. If they want to hear more about mental health and getting more, understand, particularly after the pandemic, about child mental health and supporting that, we will bring a team, particularly experts who are already at, child, uh, at the center, under, at the regional, regional Diagnostic Treatment Center, under the New York Breath Israel, at New York Breath Israel, they, those experts can be part of that conversation and, 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 and provide that information to community. So, yes, the prevention by design looks to inform, to educate, um, pair it up um, or align in the fashion that our community, mm-hmm. the community is saying they want the information to be delivered not just delivering information and hoping that they get it, but delivering information that they say they need and crafting it and bringing it to them so they have it. That's wonderful. You see, one thing about urban areas, now obviously I've lived both. I'm, right now I'm up in the sticks. I have bears and uh, all, all other kinds of things, bobcats, uh, coyotes. <laughs> oh, <no. Okay. laughs> That's where I am right now. I don't know what to do with this place, to be honest with you. The people up here... When I tell them that I'm a part of NASCA, and then I have to, you know, to explain to them what NASCA is, um, oh, no, I wouldn't want to listen to that. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. No, no. You see, the, 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 urban, the urbanites, I have to say this, the urban people, um, you're going to find more people with open minds, uh, at least to listen. Um, it, it's getting to that point, at least in the urban areas. I know that to be true. Now, up here, we're on that. The people are closed mouth, um, and if there's something that's happening in their family, they're going to take care of it. Okay, they don't want like the outsiders, like you or me or Lori or Philip or, or whomever, you know, to come in and try to uh, to help or at least to uh, get a hold of the proper organizations in their mind, like DIFUS. Um Now CPS again, I approve of, but um, for my own reasons, but. Um, you know, they and they would retaliate. They would get mad. Okay. Mm. Now, yeah. and that's bad when you see you, you have two divisions there. We need people to unite, to to fight against child abuse, whether you're right. in the the city areas or whether you're in, uh, you know, like the urban areas or, or the uh, suburban areas and all this other stuff up in the sticks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, it's it's very hard to go into schools. They don't want to even hear me. Universities, yeah. yes. Yeah. I've been in many universities now over the years. Bill has some of my um, 
some of the the, the presentations. You can see it right online. But yeah. I've gotten more than he even realizes. Now, yeah. the universities are open because why? Because they're going to become social workers, right? They're going to become counselors. They're going to become uh, psychiatrists. And they don't know enough about child abuse, okay? They mm-hmm. don't. Even some of the professors don't know enough about child abuse. Shocking, huh? So, so, I, you know. so just, just to respond to that, um, mm-hmm. oh, child abuse and neglect happens everywhere, urban, suburban, rural. Right. It happens everywhere. The thing I think that you were touching on is the fact that there is a level, of, uh, there is a different dynamic based on the density, of course, urban areas are a lot more closer together versus rural, uh, suburban. Um, um, oh the information, however, um, mm-hmm. is necessary in all those, all the, all the areas above, right? All the areas that you you you, you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. it, the, but the approach may have to be a little different, right? Um, in mm-hmm. cities, um, uh, urban areas, um, uh, there often are more concentrated with a lot more agencies and, um, you know, um, uh, different uh, institutions um, where people could congregate and you can have um, the opportunity to share information about child abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, all those various types of abuse. Uh, and even the black. Right. Uh, in okay. rural and places, Dominic, you may Dominic, guess what? Dominic, Dominic, hey, Dominic, yes, yes. guess what? This show is over. Oh, my God. Already, we're so fast. <laughs> I, I had that mouth. I know it went so fast. I had that mouth in my ear, and I didn't want to interrupt you because everything you say is like gold. <laughs> but no. I have to tell you that this show is over. Oh, well, it was a pleasure. You, you've Before got to go come back today, again just, soon oh, because right. you have so much more to talk about, and, and I'm going to make that happen. Yes, So, uh, and that's something that we'll, we'll leave off on. We have to, like five seconds for me to, to shut this off. So thank you so much for coming on, and the next time we might even pick up where we just left off because that's, that's important for people in, in, sub, in you know, the suburbs and in the sticks like I am, all right? Right. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm sorry. I know I don't want it to end either, but I have no, to. I have okay. to say good night. I have to say good night. I want to thank uh, you know Lori for being here and Philip for being here. And I know there's a lot of people that listen. They're probably laughing at me. And um, well, but anyway, I'm going to talk uh, to you some, soon. Can I yeah? provide some the hotline? So if if anyone has uh, abuse. Um, uh, uh, know of a child that is being abused. There is the in New Jersey. Um, there is the hotline, which is one eight seven seven NJ abuse, or one eight seven seven six five two two eight seven three. Again, is one eight seven seven NJ abuse. So I definitely want to make sure that if someone knows of, of someone who has been abused, to call in the hotline so they can have the support that they. Well, thank you so much for that. And you know what? I, I have to say goodnight, <clears throat> but it's always a pleasure having you on. We love you, and I want you back again soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much.
Good night, everybody. Good night to you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Love Talk Radio. Okay. Whew. Poor Dominic.